0: You want to get in on the action we want to hear from you email us at fade route mail at gmail.com with your questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you we're on instagram too slide in our dms at fade route podcast get at us Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z! Welcome everybody to this week's episode of The Fade Route with D-N-Z-I-M-Z, and we are once again at the strange crossroads between sports and politics. The Atlanta Braves have lost the All-Star Game through no fault of their own, as Major League Baseball has decided to move the game from Atlanta due to the... Controversial voting rights bill signed into place by Governor Brian Kemp, which significantly impacts voter registration and voter ability to the point where Major League Baseball felt they needed to act. Uh, Rob Manfred was pressured to make the move and ultimately chose to benefit my new adopted home city of Denver. Denver will get that game instead on July 13th instead of Atlanta. And I get it that uh, we are living in a time where, you know, politics is ingrained with everything. And generally I don't like politics in my sports, but at the same time when, when uh, ballparks are funded by the government sometimes, at least in part. Can't really have a leg to stand on that. So I do agree with the, them moving the game. I would say that they owe the Braves one. The Braves, just because of geography, are going to lose out on this game and whatever revenue they made, may have made from it. Uh, we don't know what the all-star game would be, how many people would actually be there, what it would look like. So, you know, I would say that in the future, if Major League Baseball decides they can bring the all-star game back to Atlanta, they're definitely going to have to, you know, give them one. But good for Denver. You now have a little additional revenue coming your way. So um, we're just going to see how this plays out. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on carousel shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going,
1: man? Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I feel bad for the Atlanta Braves, but it is a political thing here. I'm not sure why they couldn't move the game to maybe Milwaukee so they can still honor. Hank Aaron. Uh, the late notice was a bit abrupt too, because I believe the Braves were forced to hide the logo from the All-Star game that's on all their jerseys. It's a little ridiculous, uh, and you know, it's just it's just a sad situation when. The Braves are being punished for something they don't have a lot of control over. But, again, we don't – we're usually at odds with Rob Manford, but it's hard to disagree with his decision here.
0: It's true. And there is precedent, so it's not like he's doing something totally unprecedented. Uh, the NBA moved the All-Star game from, <clears throat> from Charlotte uh, due to the transgender law that they had in, in place – And, you know, Rob Manfred definitely definitely is doing the appropriate thing and the politically savvy thing in order to make sure that there is no backlash on the game since that could negatively impact, you know, it, it could negatively impact the perception of Major League Baseball, that they're tone deaf, that they're not, you know, Major League Baseball already has difficulty trying to link into people of color. So in order to do that, you definitely need to be on the right side of history if you really want to grow the game and show that you are you are truly colorblind and are inclusive of everybody. So, you know, we, we give Rob Manfred a lot of shit, but I I will say kudos to you, Rob. Good job on
1: that. I'm not sure if the NBA would have taken the same steps. I'm not sure the NFL would have taken the same steps. And Augusta is this weekend.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. The Masters is this weekend. That's true. And and that's one of those things that you can't move. You're not going to pick up an entire golf course. So, like, it's built around Augusta.
1: There is no talk about that with the Augusta Tour have been happening. There is no talk about the Masters and how they might be tone deaf. And, you know, I don't, I don't, if Rob Manford did nothing, I'm not sure that there would have been many people out there saying he should move the All-Star game. That's the other part I have a problem with. I don't know if there would have been so many people calling for him to move the All-Star game if he didn't, you know what I mean?
0: No, totally. Um, It it makes you wonder. It definitely does. But um, also it's a question of sponsorships as well. Would, would sponsors have been a little hesitant to, you know, put their name on things since they're being called to account the same way we all are in this day and age. We're, We're being called to reflect on our own behavior, our own perceptions. And, I just wonder how that would work because you, especially in Atlanta and in Georgia, you have CNN and you have Coca-Cola and you have uh, you have Home Depot. You have a lot of organizations that could possibly bring you a lot of sponsorship dollars and you definitely want to be on the right side of the money in addition to the right side of the cause. It's time for The Fading, where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. But well, one guy who wasn't on the right side of the cause is uh, Sam Darnold. The New York Jets have decided to move on from the former number three overall draft pick, sending him to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for three draft picks, not the number eight pick, not no first round picks were exchanged. You're looking at a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder in 2022. Overall, that's a pretty decent haul for a guy that performed the way Sam Darnold did. Not a great haul for a former number three pick, but... You and I have both followed Sam Darnold's career. We've seen almost all of his games. Did the New York Jets fail him?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I, I disagree with you. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a terrible hole. I mean, listen, they're they're judging Sam, right, by what? His rookie year, a year in the next his second year he got mono, didn't really play, and his, his third year was during a pandemic. And then all the and and then two out of the three years he was there, he had Adam Gase as his coach. So, uh, I just I guess I'm not under and not to mention the guy is 23 years old. You He's younger up, than Joe Burrow. You traded up to the three pick to get him. Let's not forget that. So by trading up to get Sam Darnold in the believe it was the 2018 draft, hmm? they missed out on getting. Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quinton Nelson, Roquan Smith, Mika Fitzpatrick, Vita Villa, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Sony Michelle, Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb, and Darius Leonard. These are all players that went in the first and then the top of the second round in the draft in which they traded up to get Sam Darnold. So now, and they traded, they drafted up at to get him at number three. Now, there's the situation of they have the number two pick. I don't see how we can believe that the same people who made this trade are going to be able to make the correct pick in this draft. If anything, what they should try to do is figure out who the 49ers want and take that guy because you've got a better <laughs> chance of succeeding with that guy than the guy you're thinking about taking right now.
0: That's true. I mean, talent evaluation wise, we don't know what Joe Douglas is. We st- he still the jury's still out on him. Robert Sala, we know what he is as a defensive coordinator. He has never run the room as a head coach. But Joe Douglas had no loyalty to Sam Darnold. You know, Adam Gase had no loyalty to Sam Darnold he was drafted by Mike McCagnin. He was coached by Todd Bowles. And then when they decided to part ways with Bowles and McCagnin, you know, it was kind of a treadwater water situation. But if you look at Sam Darnold's career numbers, yes, the injuries, yes, mono, yes, be playing behind a shit offensive line. Yes. With Adam Gase as your head coach and possibly getting in your head and messing you up entirely. The proof was in the pudding, and the pudding was not good. You're looking at a career record of 13 and 25. You know, you're averaging about a couple thousand yards. He's less than 10,000 yards for his career. 45 TDs to 39 picks. He struggled with that in college, too. So it was a little bit of a reach when they took him anyway. But that's on the previous administration. Joe Douglas clearly evaluated Sam Darnold based on what he had seen and saw that he, you know, could move on from him. And if you're looking at that kind of record and that kind of productivity, we, you take out the take out where they drafted him, that they got a they got what they could get for him.
1: So yeah, but at the end of the day, you're entering into the same cycle, right? You drafted Sam Darnold, who was okay at best, at USC, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Todd Bowles is the head coach, the defensive guy. Don't really have an offensive-minded person there to kind of teach a guy how to be the quarterback in the NFL. Now, you've got Robert Sala, who's the coach, who's a defensive guy, and you don't have the offensive-minded person to bring on a kid and teach him how to be an NFL quarterback. There's no Joe Brady there. And so the, the original question you asked me is like, oh, did the Jets fail him? I was like, nah, I think the Jets did a great thing. They sent him to Carolina where he's going to connect with Robbie Anderson again. He's got DJ Moore. He's got a top 10 running back. Like, we're going to find out a lot about Sam Darnold in the next two years because they're already trying to make an extension for him. Because he's a number, he's a number three pick. He's a top ten pick. That's what he was. What they did with him is what what they did with him. I mean, I I just I can't imagine that that's the best offer that they received. I I find that very hard to believe. Because now you have a situation where, what you're gonna draft Zach Wilson, and he's gonna be better than Sam Darnold, who. Who are you surrounding him with that's going to make him better? And that's the problem I have is that the Jets have all these draft picks now. They have all this draft capital, but they have to start from zero at the quarterback position and hope the guy doesn't die.
0: Yeah, you you definitely – they are in this constant cycle now. But, uh, if I mean, if reports are to be believed – this might not have been the only offer or the best offer they got because San Francisco was looking at Sam Darnold. Yeah. And that would be a option. much better, that would be a much better situation for him yeah. than the jets or Carolina. And the Washington football team was also looking at him and that you can argue is at least on par with Carolina granted. Listen,
1: yeah. I mean, listen, you, you got, you got the, you got the 49ers, right? They're sitting at three. Now, in the last couple of years, they've drafted Brandon Ayuk, Nick Boza, Debo Samuel. I think they know a little about a little bit about drafting players, okay? So if the 49ers are sitting at three and they're like, yeah, we don't need to trade up to two. If you're the New York Jets, that has to make you extremely nervous. Because if they're okay at three, that means that you're either there or Okay with getting one of the two guys they want, or they know you're gonna miss this, right? Like if they're high fiving in the draft room after you select your quarterback, you lost, you messed up. I mean, I I would be so and what I've been saying now, and I'm gonna say it now more than ever: trade out of two. Now is the time to trade out of two. Get out of two. Get out of two and trade back. And that's the other thing. You didn't even get the Panthers first round pick this year. So the Panthers, the Panthers not only got Sam Darnold, but if they're at eight and let's say, for instance, Justin Fields or Mac Jones falls, hell, why not? Why not? Or if they're so inclined, they can even get maybe Pitts, or they can get a very competent player like I, I, I commend the Panthers. Nice job. You swindled them. Because at the end of the day, Sam Darnold is an NFL quarterback. The guys being drafted after Trevor Lawrence are not NFL quarterbacks yet. They will be someday, but someone's going to have to teach them to do that. And I don't know if the Jets have the staff to do that because they didn't do it with Sam. They didn't really do it with Mark Sanchez. I don't see how they're going to do it with this kid.
0: The last quarterback they developed was Chad Pennington. That, that yeah. should tell you something, you know. Um, they have a terrible track record, that is for sure. Carolina did a very good job giving up a little. He, they did give up something of value, and they brought in a 23-year-old quarterback. They brought in a guy who I'm sure is hungry to prove himself because he's got draft bust written all over him, or at least as of right now. He's considered a bust. And then they also have Teddy Bridgewater. That's another thing. You have the eighth overall pick. You also have Teddy Bridgewater that you can either keep as a mentor to kind of show Sam Darnold the ropes kind of thing in Le- in Matt Rule's offense with Joe Brady, similar to you know the relationship they had, albeit briefly, in camp with the Jets. And then you also have the eighth pick. So now you can either go best player available or – you could trade Bridgewater, depending on the contract and how it is written. I think it's it was a three-year deal, but it's really only a two-year deal. So now he only has one year left on that contract. I think, it's, I think it's an option for that third. You can He's now an asset that you can flip for maybe a fifth, maybe a fourth. You can kind of play around with that if you decide you don't want to take best player available and you want to invest in a quarterback. So the Carolina I think Panthers the, did a great
1: job. Here. They did a great job. And you, you don't see the 49ers trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Granted, they haven't traded him yet, and they might be trying to trade him, but have they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's making more money no. than Sam?
0: No. They, they you,
1: see the Atlanta, you see the Atlanta Falcons traded Matt Ryan, and they're sitting at four. They're in a perfect spot to take a quarterback if a quarterback falls to them. Rumor has it they're
0: also exploring trade options for number four.
1: Ka- Carol, Right. Carolina is going to start Sam – and they told Teddy uh you could go seek a trade but if you don't get one we're going to keep you like i i whatever if Moving you look on. at
0: both if you look at both of those players injury history it would make sense
1: to keep both cuz neither one is finished yeah. the season why not <laughs> why am i going to trade him why like like you what was the rush to trade Sam Darnold like this this what you got this lot of draft picks was so great they're like oh we got to get rid of him right now come on that's just ridiculous. But anyway, moving on. The NCAA championship wrapped up on Monday with uh, <laughs> the Baylor taking it to the Zags. What was your biggest takeaway from the NCAA tournament this year?
0: That these teams were not as good as we believe they were when they went into the tournament. I mean, Gonzaga, again, I'll say it before I'll say it again they're a product of that they're a product of that of that conference, you know You're, it's easy to kind of get ahead of yourself and just kind of pad your stats. Baylor played tougher competition and ultimately that eventually benefited them in, in the end. And if you look at the game, they just have more production throughout their team rather than... Gonzaga where you're looking at your Timmies and your Suggs and they showed up, but you need the other guys to be there too. So I see it as a good depth win from the Baylor Bears and it really it went to show you this was the tournament of surprises. This was the tournament of expecting the unexpected and ultimately it it revealed Gonzaga for what they were and they got blown out.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think the best team won I think the Baylor was the best team. I'm glad the Zags got their asses handed to them. I think they were really feeling themselves after they uh, beat us at UCLA, and they had you know taken out some of the other top teams that they faced. Corey Kispert stinks. He showed me he showed me two nights ago that he can't hit a contested three. Uh, Baylor saved us from the Zags joining the upper echelon of undefeated teams in college basketball history. This was a, a COVID season. Glad it's over. No asterisks needed. And hopefully, I'm not going to say hopefully, I guess that's kind of mean, but I think one day of Gonzaga will be forgotten. I think it will be forgotten because I can't think of all the teams that got there undefeated and lost in the championship game. I I don't think people will remember. People, I think, will remember the Gonzaga-UCLA game because it was a great game. But that just went to show you how it was all coming to a close, right? I mean, this was an 11 seed, given the number one overall team in the tournament a hard time. Like, uh, I thought the writing was on the wall there. I, I wanted UCLA to win at one point. And I'm happy for Baylor. Uh, They they showed that they were the more athletic. They were the bigger team. They were the better team. And nice try.
0: (laughs) For sure. And, you know, UCLA was the feel-good story. It definitely was. Since you have to take into account they were in the playing game, you know. It makes you wonder, does Michigan State make the same run? Probably not. So, you know, kudos to Mick Cronin and his team to really – Embrace that underdog mentality and really put on a great show. It was definitely a good show on their part. And ultimately, some it didn't go their way, but they can hold their heads up high. Gonzaga, ultimately, they didn't get the job done. But 31-1 and 1 is still nothing to sneeze at. So if I'm Mark Few, I'm not hanging my head in shame. Yeah, I mean, let's think about this in a parallel to another sport. When the Patriots got to the Super Bowl undefeated against the Giants. Yes, they lost. You can't say the better team won. On paper, there's absolutely no reason the Giants should have won that game. And I'm a Giant fan. But you still can't... Granted, the result did not... Go the way you wanted to, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't throw out the 18 games that you won. So there's still an element that you can hang on to there. To where, like, yes, this was, it wasn't as successful as you wanted to be, but it's definitely something we can build on. And I'm proud of what we put out there. And if I'm Mark Few, I'm not letting my my ki- I'm not letting my kids, I'm not my players, not letting them hang their heads. Like, yeah, you got beat at the end but that's what sports is about. You play it on the you play it on the field, you play it on the court. That's when you determine the winner.
1: The problem the problem I think he's going to have is I do think this was his best chance. And we spoke about this at the beginning of the NCAA tournament was this was the year where the Gonzaga team or the Valparaiso or, you know, the 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 non-typical school could have gotten to the final four. And actually won because i think we can all agree that next year the michigan states the kentuckys the dukes the louisvilles they're all going to be back and his road to the championship is going to be much more treacherous next year where i think this year he went up against a really good baylor team and a lot of people were speculating that if there was a tournament last year that Baylor would have gotten to the final four. I mean, that's a lot of speculation. We don't really know, but in hindsight, it's a possibility, but I don't think he's going to get back to a championship for a while.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. Getting to the national title game, even in a loss, I think it really does positively impact his recruiting. So I can see them getting a little bit of an uptick, So at least in the short term, I can see this is beneficial in the long term. I don't know if that actually helps him win anything, but he'll get players. He'll, he'll actually get a little bit more of a bump. He doesn't seem to go for one and done kids, which is nice. You know, he really gets to grow his program. So he's going to get true players that want to learn that want to be coached who aren't just, you know, using, Gonzaga to get to the NBA because let's be real here, their NBA record isn't great. No nope. Adam Morrison, really NBA asking, champion,
1: though. NBA champion,
0: yeah, but did he actively contribute to it?
1: You he know? clapped a lot on the sideline. All right, he did. He massaged he very Mark active. Madsen's
0: shoulders, he contributed as much as Mark Madsen did with a goofy dance. Um, <laughs> Rui Hashimura, is he doing anything in the NBA? Not particularly. <laughs> Am I missing anything? I think no. there's only two. <laughs> like,
1: I... Listen, listen. They, I mean, he he can hang his hat on that. He beat USC. He beat U- UCLA. That'll definitely help his recruiting. Uh, but in the grand scheme of everything, they're still Gonzaga. They're still in uh, lower conference. And they disappointed people like they do almost every year i hate to be mean about it but that's the way it is i didn't pick them this year because they always disappoint me and they never get as far as i need them to get
0: so yeah well we, we picked michigan so we're we're both uh you know not that disasters. Both disasters. <laughs> i'm getting hungry over here should have cooked up some dinner And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook, eat how you want to eat, eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. A-Z, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. Speaking of not going the way we wanted it to, opening weekend was this past week for the Major League Baseball. You have I mean, you have some terrible starts for some teams that we thought were going to be good, some surprising <laughs> starts by teams we thought were going to be the drizzling shit, and a couple of interesting player stories. So, ultimately... From this past week, we'll we'll take we'll give it all the way up till today. What stood out most to you this uh, this season so far?
1: Yeah, so there was there was three. Um, some of them are a little Debbie downer, unfortunately. Uh, I was really bummed about the Nats and the Mets series getting canceled. I was really looking forward to seeing Scherzer and Degrom go at it. That damn COVID took them mm-hmm. out. Uh, the Yankees getting slapped by the Blue Jays was great. That was awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man, you could beat that. Uh, and, you know, the All-Star game getting moved. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. But, yeah, I mean, thought I thought that kind of took a lot of the headlines away. But uh, there was some great baseball played. Uh, I had a tough time on opening day because I have uh, – I stream my TV service these days and I lost the yes network. So that was kind of rough, but we've rebounded since then. And it's been nice watching baseball. Totally.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's how can you not love baseball? You know, it's just, it's perfect as it is. What surprised me the most is the combined. owen 10 start that the A's and the Braves teams that, yeah. teams that we expected Fuck. to do damage combined. 0 10 now, granted, the A's won today on a walk-off by Mitch Moreland, and the or the uh, the Braves swept a doubleheader. So these thank teams God. are in the win column. So
1: second game was only seven innings. Thank right. God. And the Panda, the Panda coming through.
0: Pablo Sandoval <laughs> sighting. out, and he's performing. a Pablo performing Sandoval outside sighting. of San Francisco too? So this is very rarefied air. Another thing,
1: and he looks so heavy. It's great.
0: Yeah, he's got that. He's got that power back. Uh, The Orioles and the Tigers both being hovering around 500 is surprising in a positive sense because both of those teams have been written off. And one player story that I think is really awesome is the Tigers' Akil Badu never played above A-ball, had Tommy John surgery, claimed on the Rule 5 draft. So they have to keep him or they're going to lose him. He's got to be offered back to his team. First pitch he sees home run second game grand slam third game walk off hit it's the clearly this league is too easy for mr badu
1: (laughs) how about how about otani hitting 102 on the gun and then hitting a 450 foot home run i saw that live that was amazing
0: that's crazy and if he can deliver the goods in both on both fronts the angels are onto something here.
1: I just, the pro it, I just think it's going to be really hard to maintain. And you could even see in the game, you know, he's, he's got a, he pitches, he comes in, he gets up to the plate. And the next thing, you know, he's going to go back out there and start hurling again. I, I the only thing I think that's going to help him is that since he had Tommy John surgery, he's likely going to lay off the curves, yeah. So he's really just going to be throwing gas and hitting the slider and the splitter. And I think that will help him. Um, and I, I think he's got a great manager to manage this because Joe Maddon's all about, uh, all about baseball and all about what's right for the players. And I think he's going to manage it very well. Uh, the, the best, the best thing to do is to give him breaks when he can maybe pitch him on certain days. Uh, because he he's he's probably least one of their top five players. I mean, outside of Trout and Rendon, I mean, you can argue he, three. He's a really special talent. I mean, he's just yeah, he's a talent. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, and I believe for the first time in over forty years, they the Angels did not use a DH in that game because they let their pitcher bat, which is an, Amer- an American League team can do. Didn't
0: even yeah. Uh, well, when you have a player's prodigious as show Heyo and what he can do, you know, you definitely can go that route. I mean, you do have the, you, you ultimately do have the option of doing it, but you know, we'll see how long this is gonna, how long he can last because he has not, yeah. he's not posted an entire season yet. Like even in his rookie year, he, he didn't yeah. finish the entire season. So yeah, so now uh, it's a it's not a durability question because you know he was able to do it in Japan. Let's just see what he can do and how he'll hold up. You already touched on this: the Mets National Series was postponed <laughs> due to COVID. Fuck COVID, and ultimately, significant players from the Nets are on the IL right now due to this situation. Now, if If a team has a significant breakout, one that they cannot, you know, call up players to fill a taxi squad and all that. If they cannot post a team, should they be forced to forfeit?
1: I think so. Uh, We know we spoke about this at length in the production meeting. And I I just you have 162 games. Um, There is vaccines available at this point. We're all wearing masks. Everyone's doing their part. If by some crazy situation, you have a breakout in your team. I think you got to forfeit the games. And it, it shouldn't be to the detriment of the team that you're playing that now, you know, they're out four games or they're out three games, or they're going to have to make this up, or there's going to have to be double headers. I think we're at a point, And it's also early enough in the season where we can put this stipulation into play and, and see, how, and see how it plays out. Uh, you, you don't want a situation where you're making up all these games on the back end and, you know, teams are going to be exhausted for Agreed.
0: it. Agreed. And you're also, that's the thing, teams are going to benefit from this because you're looking at Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, all of these guys that are on the COVID list now, May not be on the COVID list when this season gets when the series gets replayed. So, yeah, you you play with the guys that are there, and if you can't feel the team, that is on you. They should have been doing it since last year when the Marlins missed how many games in a row, and they were down to how many people to where they were holding yeah. open tryouts. No,
1: not only that, but then they wanted to make it in the playoffs. Like they figured it out. The Marlins can figure it out. Other teams can figure it out. Figure it out. The, there's you your, tea, your you got farm systems of players like if you got to bring people up or if you need to sub people in you got to do what you got to do uh, i i don't i don't have a problem with it no one's going to miss the playoffs because of this it's not going to it's not going to end anything uh, i think they need to try to move the season along uh, as much and as possible and forfeits
0: will actually take away the logistical nightmares that were created by these outbreaks last season So, you have the Yankees going to Baltimore when they should have been playing. They should have been playing Baltimore. They went to Philly and then they, you know, like forfeit, moving on. Just.
1: It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just unnecessary. Like, listen, we're all adults. We've all got to deal with this thing. It's not, you're not playing less games. You're still playing 162 games. Like, there's going to be times when you can catch up on this. If you, what's the difference between you getting swept and maybe just taking two out of three or winning it one game out of three, you lose three games, you lose four games, make it up somewhere down the line. Now, if you want to say, you know, we don't want them to have to forfeit like a whole week's worth of games. All right. I can get on board with that. Maybe, maybe you don't have to, you know, forfeit seven games or 10 games, but if you got to lose a series because this is when the Reds are in town, I mean, you lose this. That's it. I mean, you lose the series because this is when the Reds were coming to town, especially if you don't have anybody on your team. You, you've you done everything you were supposed to do. Now this team comes in and they didn't and or something happened. I mean, this is what we're all this is what we're all dealing with in life. Right. I mean, everyone's had this affect their life at some capacity. If it happens to baseball. It happens Absolutely.
0: In baseball. And you look what's happening in hockey right now. The Vancouver Canucks are down 19 yeah. players. <laughs> right? you know, that's insane. Come on.
1: Justin Trudeau is like, that's why I don't want to open up the. Exactly. I don't want to open like, up that We're
0: why. We're dealing with this. So even if you're doing everything right, you can still have a major outbreak. But don't penalize the teams you're yeah. playing because you can't keep your house in order. So uh, I, we are in full agreement on that. And it's definitely. It's definitely something that they can adjust during the season, which is nice. It's not one of those things that it's hard and fast. And the precedent was set last year. So I don't think, I mean, Tony Clark's not going to have a leg to stand on if he starts bitching about this right now, because they did it last year and everybody was able to do it. Now, in case you missed it, boys and girls, we've already had our first bench-clearing incident and our first suspension. On opening day, Nick Castellanos of the Reds hit a home run, pretend he wasn't a major leaguer, and decided to flip the bat and skip and Superman. And it, Last time I checked, it was not his first major league home run. I don't believe it was. He took Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals deep and... As you're wont to do, the Cardinals made him wear it the next day. Not in his first at-bat, later on in the game. Now, should Castellanos have been suspended for his part in this brawl because he made it all the way to third, scored on a wild pitch, and then like got in the pitcher's face and flexed while the pitcher was down on the ground? Is that suspension worthy for you?
1: I mean, listen, he was excited about scoring and excited that his team was getting into a better position. Guy beats the throw at home. He's excited. He flexes his muscles. He does the same thing a guy scoring a touchdown would do. He does the same guy the same thing a guy who dunks over his opponent would do. NBA fights don't break out. NFL fights don't break out. Matt was quick to suspend him. Tried to issue him two games. Remind me how many players were suspended in the Astros cheating scandal? Uh, zero. Okay. Last last year's pitcher, Joe Kelly, was suspended eight games for making funny faces at the Astros dugout. This year, Dusty Baker gets on the mic and cries about how terrible it is to hear his team get mocked and ridiculed everywhere they go. What a joke. How are they going to suspend him for getting excited about scoring? This is unbelievable, unbelievable, and baseball needs to get over it. Let some emotion in the game. Like, who cares if he flexed? Who gives a shit? And suspended because he caused the fight. He didn't swing at anybody. They got in his face. They came I mean, after him.
0: If anything, like it was diffused by Moustakas and Yadi Molina. That was all. It was all taken care of. Like, I'm I'm with you on this. Is Two games that it was unnecessary like he got his he got his revenge. see he, the Cardinals got their revenge he got his revenge it's a wash and the, to bring up the Joe Kelly thing I find it very funny yes, he got eight games for making <laughs> funny faces, but he also got eight games for throwing at the cheaters who didn't get suspended at all. he tried to provide
1: it's unbelievable justice.
0: Justice cost him eight games. Joe
1: Pell I, I don't I I don't know how they could with a straight face issue suspensions when these Astros are running around with never being penalized for what they did and complaining about how they're being treated. Are you kidding me? What a joke. Meanwhile their pitcher and their, their, their coach and their and their bench coach lost the entire year but not one player was fined or suspended, but Nick Castellanos scores and then flexes and he's charged with inciting a fight and trying to suspend him for two games. Get real, get real mob Rob Manford. You no, missed on but, this one. You may have hit on the all-star game. But you, you missed did. big here. Let's air, talk.
0: Man. Let's think about it. Incite it. I mean, what uh, were punches even thrown? No. Jordan Hicks is yelling at somebody in the outfield. Jesse Winker is holding off three Cardinals by himself. I mean, Jesse Winker's a big friggin' dude. (laughs) So, like, I wouldn't go anywhere near anybody either if I were them. Nothing happened. It was a typical Major League Baseball fight where nothing happened. Like, the most brutal fight I've ever seen was Yankees Orioles. It spilled into the dugout. It was fucking, they had
1: (laughs) Was that the Graham Lloyd Was was that the Graham Lloyd Lloyd fight?
0: (laughs) Pinned against the goddamn backstop. Like Alan Mills sucker punched. I think it was strawberry, Like Alan Mills sucker punched somebody like that was a fight. Okay, this is this is hold me back. This is this is bullshit. This was
1: bullshit. This was not a fight. Now, if Nick Castellanos decides to go on Instagram and start cursing and screaming and defaming at fans or actors, then maybe they have a case. And I bring this up because of the spat between Kevin Durant and Michael Rappaport, where Kevin Durant went to town on Michael Rappaport calling him every name in the book. Profanity, gay slurs, you name it, he dropped it. Michael Rappaport then decided to post it and let everybody see the kind of person Kevin Durant could be. And the NBA only issued a fifty thousand dollar fine for that. But how do you feel about the way Durant carried himself with actor comedian Michael Rappaport? Well,
0: there's never any there's never any reason to go to that level. This stemmed from criticism that Rappaport actually levy towards Kevin Durant because of an interview he did on TNT and for Durant to go scorched earth like he did thinking well having the expectation of privacy because they weren't going back and forth in tweets they were go. it was a DM so dude you can't expect privacy online and Deshaun Watson's also learning that too so
1: Oh, yeah, man, that's getting but, bad, like,
0: he tried to do everything through DMs. He's deleting DMs. Like, nah, dude. Like, that's it. You you cannot <laughs> expect bad. any level of privacy. What Was Michael Rappaport right for leaking that information? Like, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Because this is, I mean, it, it, it's fine for him to peel back the curtain and show people who Kevin Durant really is and – They've known this about him for a while that he's sensitive and he responds to his critics. And, you know, he has those, bur- he still has the burner accounts. According to the New York Times, he did an interview with them, says he still has them. Of course he does. Of course he does. So if you're going to have rabbit ears like that, you can't expect any level of privacy. And ultimately, $50,000. He's already out, so it's not like they're gonna suspend him. Like, you know, he's already hurt. So fifty K for going Miles Leonard Myers Leonard on steroids. I mean, that's fine. (laughs) I'd say it's fine.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess I just have a problem with really Michael Rappaport going public with it, especially since we're learning that they actually have a history of going Mm -hmm. back and forth with each other. Like, this isn't the first time. They've done this in the past, and my whole thing is, is if Michael Rapaport is going to go after a player like that, I don't know what kind of response you're expecting from the player. Like, uh, if somebody direct messages me and gets in my face about the show and starts, you know, cursing and saying profanity at me, I might mm-hmm. go back at them. I mean, that's just a natural reaction. I'm a man and you know, I have a, a, I have some pride. And then at some point you say, well, enough is enough. So, I think if this was a just a random fan, I'd have a problem with it. But if you have a history with Spatton with this guy, and now all of a sudden this guy decides to go public with that, uh, it's that's kind of tough. He, he definitely deserved to be fined. He might even really deserve to be suspended the way he carried himself. But, like, you know, you would think that some of this stuff was private, and it turned out that it wasn't. So, hopefully, he learns from this experience, sets a better First, example. And also,
0: you have to take into account the nature of his apology. It was, "I'm sorry you saw that." So it's like, okay. yeah, I saw that." So it's like, that. "I'm not sorry. <laughs> I hurt crazy. this guy out and threatened <laughs> to kill him and called him every homophobic and misogynistic thing I could think of." I'm sorry you saw that. I'm sorry that you, I peeled back the layer and you saw what was really there. That's such a bullshit, r- milk toast, limp dick apology. That it doesn't. It doesn't even warrant as an apology. And Kevin Durant's burners. Come after me. That's fine.
1: Well, the 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 other part is is like, he. He's really feeling himself, right? I mean, he considers himself the best player in the league. He's gone to the Warriors and won. He's now with the Nets and their super team. And you would never see LeBron James carry himself like that, right? Like, we, we wouldn't see LeBron come out. And we remember what happened in Atlanta earlier this year where a woman on the sideline was basically accosting him. And, you know, he had a... He went back at her with some profanity, but not to the level of what Kevin Durant was doing. And I think if Kevin Durant wants to hold the title of the best player in the league, he should probably try to carry himself that way. I would agree.
0: You definitely need to be above reproach both on and off the court. And he already had a reputation. So that's the one thing he's already had to do image rehab and it, doesn't look like it's taken so
1: yeah you let you let your play speak for you if someone's attacking your game you go out there and slay it like michael jordan did it tom brady does it you never hear anything about mike trout he just goes out there and, and you know pl- he plays his best uh know, yeah. so that's that's the route you should be taking as uh and you know that athlete. i mean
0: they've been in in spats before like you said but you know what michael rapaport's about if you go on his instagram if you go on his social media the guy he's a disruptor it's what he does this is you know basically he just laid a nice little bit of bait for you and you just jumped right on it so you got to be smarter than that you have to have thicker skin than that and at this point i don't know if kevin durant is going to be able to develop that he's 32 he's not like you know he's not a kid i i don't think that you know it, you either have it or you don't and to also be in the new york market when shit goes south if if i'm sean marks and i'm steve nash i'm concerned about this bullshit or no shit We're going to debunk this week's most controversial sports topics right now. All right, boys and girls, you know the rules. We have a statement. If we agree, it's no shit. If we disagree, it's bullshit. Bullshit or no shit, number one. The Chicago White Sox should trade for Charlie Blackman.
1: You know, you you texted this to me last week, and yeah, I immediately thought it was a great idea. But uh, I'm gonna call bullshit on this only because I know the White Sox are struggling out the gate. They're three and four. Uh, I think they're gonna come around. Kopac pitched an amazing game a couple nights ago. Uh, I just think the addition of Charlie Blackman is really not warranted. Like there are people out there. There's there's Cespedes. There's uh, Nick Markakis, I keep arguing, is a great pickup. Um, I'm sure there's a guy they can bring up to play their left field. They they, they don't really need to go and, and you know trade for Charlie Blackman. The other thing they could do is also just wait until the trade deadline where there might be a half off sale.
0: That's why I'm going to go no shit on this because you still have plenty of time. But it's one <laughs> of those things that you're not gonna you, you don't need to you don't need to rush. The Rockies are going nowhere fast. So it's not like, you know, it's not like you're going to have many takers for Charlie Blackman. One, he's going to be 35 years old. Yeah. Sneaky wow. old. Is he
1: really yeah. that old?
0: Oh. Two, it's a oh, course factor. But you look at his numbers, yeah. you know, a career 303 hitter, 179 home runs, a career 18, almost 19 war, if you believe in war. OPS, you're looking at an 864 career. That's pretty damn good. Now, what is he outside of Coors Field? I don't know. And I'm not willing to part with anything of substance to figure it out. That's me. And, you know, could I possibly get beaten on this by a team? Sure. possible. Anything's possible. But I'd rather wait it out and see what happens. Because I don't know what this player is. Bullshit or no shit, number two. Francisco Lindoro retire a Met with multiple championships. And I will go no shit on this one just from the simple fact <laughs> that Steve Cohen owns this team. If it was Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon, I would say it's absolute bullshit. They would have nickled and dimed and... First of all, they probably wouldn't even have made the trade, but with Steve Cohen here and his willingness to spend money, his desire to win, since he came out, he came from the ranks of the fans. Right, I can see him reinforcing this team multiple times over, keeping Conforto, keeping Syndergaard, maybe adding a Trevor Bauer the next go round, because Bauer is going to be doing that again. You know, Lindor, he's already proving dividends. Got the game, you know, the game winning sacrifice fly last night. Good job playing a solid defense. He brings a winning culture and attitude wherever he goes. If they build around him, sky's the limit.
1: I mean, one of the reasons why we brought this up is because, you know, on the eve of, really the league starting, he signed a 10 year, $341 million contract. So he's going to be with the Jets. I mean, he's going to be with the Mets for a while. Uh, I'm going to say bullshit. I think he's definitely going to retire a Met, but unless they get some better coaching in there, I, I don't know about multiple championships. I think he'll get one. He's good for one, but I don't know about multiple. I mean, that's, that's just a hard feat to capture in this day and age and they need a lot of things to go right and they're they, they're they're definitely better off with him, but I, I don't see multiple championships in the in the future.
0: Spoken by the Braves fan. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Indeed.
1: That's right. I saw you wearing your That's hat right. today on the on the, got, on the I gotta re- I gotta got wreck my team. Whatever you, you want. Know
0: I had a, I had my Rangers. You shirt had your on Mets too. hat
1: on. I'm not going to wear my Braves hat until we get over 500. I think that's, that's fair. a fair.
0: I would say that's fair. Definitely. Um or no shit. Number three, Sam Darnold will outperform both Zach Wilson and Mac Jones in 2021.
1: Oh, I'm all over this. This is no shit. Okay. Sam Darnold will outperform not only Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, but Justin Fields too in 2021. He's an, NFL quarterback he's going to a team with offensive talent competent coaching assuming the Jets take Wilson the 49ers take Jones and the Lions I guess would take Justin Fields they're gonna have growing pains there's no Lamar Jackson in this damn draft all right and not not to mention that yeah the Carolina Panthers were his 22nd in offense last year but they were top 10 in yards after catch. So I think they're gonna be doing great. I see them competing for a playoff spot next year, and I'm happy for Sam Darn.
0: We agree. The answer is no shit. All of the weapons are around him in Carolina. He's got a coach that knows what he's doing. Mac Jones, there's no guarantee he's even gonna see the field. I and mean, they may decide to keep Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco if he's the guy. So who who knows what will come of san francisco it might be a draft and stash for a year zach wilson you know i've said it many times i don't believe in him i don't think he's going i think he's got bust written all over him so if he has to start from day one particularly for a team like the jets it's dead man walking
1: yeah, I mean, I've been talking to people I know in the league and they were very surprised the Sam Darnold got traded and all, all signs point to the Jets taking Zach Wilson and a lot of people think that might be a mistake.
0: Myself included. So we will see, but I think it's a safe bet that the only quarterback that Sam Darnold won't outperform is Trevor Lawrence. And a bonus bullshit or no shit. Number four, the transfer pool is bad for college sports. And I'm going no shit on this one. I, I don't think that it's a, it doesn't build anything. You're not really, I mean, it's free agency in college and it just, it bastardizes the sport even more, especially when you take into account that now they're going to, you know, earn likeness rights and it's becoming a minor league to the NFL. And I I just don't like the fact that, Oh, I'm not playing. I'm going to go someplace else. Like, no, you signed on. And you know what? If, if you signed on and you transfer, you lose a year of eligibility. That's just the way it is. Like, you that I don't know. College sports doesn't do anything to begin with. It doesn't do anything for me, and this just puts an even worse taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go no shit on this as well. I, I think a transfer pool is bad for college sports. I think it works out for good players, oh, totally. right? Because if you're if you're a good player, if you're a good player, and you're in Kentucky, and the guy ahead of you is 10 times better than you, you could go to like a Carolina or you could go to a Baylor. You can go somewhere else. Uh, But I think it's bad. It's going to hurt programs, right? Because I'm not sure how you're going to get kids to buy in to stay in. Like you said, if I'm I'm in a program and I don't like the coach or I don't like the way I'm going to be projected, I'm going to be, I might leave really before I should leave. I think more schools would be inclined to give scholarships to guys transferring, rather than a guy who's going to be a freshman. Um, I just I, I'm not sure how you're going to you're going to have to build a really strong program to get that freshman kid to stay on till he's a junior where he can shine, or he a freshman to stay on until the sophomore year and maybe be a bench player, not a starter. Like I don't know how you're going to kind of get them to stay. And the only idea that I came up with was maybe you incentivize it. Say, okay, well, if a player goes to a school, he's allowed to, you know, make money on his image and likeness. But if he transfers, he loses that ability. That might be the way to keep players from leaving because I just, I don't see if I'm, if I'm a really good player and like perfect example, Mac Jones, Mac Jones played behind Tua and then he also played behind Jalen Hurts. It would have been easy for him to leave and like go to Florida or maybe go to, to LSU or, or go, go to Cal, but he wrote it out. He wound up becoming the starter, winning the national championship, and he's a projected top-ten pick. I don't know if it ends that way, if the transfer pool was more spoken about or more available to him right. when he first and started at Alabama. He
0: not only was pushed – in practice by Tua and Jalen Hurts, he was also being coached by that coaching staff. If you go through the transfer pro- portal and go to, okay, if you end up at Oklahoma, great, you have Lincoln Riley. But what if what if you don't go to that school? What if you don't make it to a school that has a great coach and a good system that fits you? All of a sudden, like, okay, I'm starting now. Okay, that's great. I mean, it's it's very similar to if you go all the way back to Tebow and Cam Newton, same thing. Like Cam Newton, wasn't getting any play, left, went to Juco, went to Auburn, and the rest is history. So if Cam Newton had the transfer portal available to him, you know, he obviously would have used it because he did the old version of it. But would that have put him in a better position? I don't know. I can't say that Auburn would have been readily available to him. So.
1: Right. And what would have, what would that have done for maybe another player who would have gotten to go to Auburn and play or a player who is, the, you know, starting at Auburn when he got there, you know, he, he, at least for a year, someone else was able to occupy his spot
0: exactly. in both places. Right? So I don't know. The, the rule is just weird to me, but it's not going anywhere anytime soon as the NCAA is slowly but surely becoming more of a professional league.
1: Are you in need of air care, maintenance or service? I have the company for you, Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling, maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914 315 1547 again that's 914 315 1547 or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians@gmail.com these guys are the real deal as they are veteran owned licensed and insured make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you
0: Order up. We're having so much fun ordering things up. We are branching out to sports movies. This week, we're doing the top five basketball movies of all time. From five to one. Who you got, D?
1: And this all comes out because the space jam movie is going to be coming out. (laughs) And we thought about, well, you know, what are our favorite basketball movies of all time. All right. So I'm going to start at number five and you're going to laugh at me, but I'm going to say, yeah, forget Paris with, with Billy Crystal. It's he's an NBA referee. It's a love story. It's not a true basketball movie, but I think of it as a basketball movie. had a lot of my favorite players in it. Uh, Tim Hardaway, um, uh Isaiah Thomas, Reggie Miller, and the funniest part is there's a farewell tour for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he tosses Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the game, and he says, may oh I be the first God, to the say farewell?
0: He threw a player both, play, both right. teams, Kareem's parents and the guy who put the cheese on the nachos. Such a great, <laughs> an underrated Billy yeah. Crystal movie. <laughs>
1: It's a good movie. I like it. I think Deborah Winger's in that movie, too. Uh, number four, I have Semi Pro. It's hilarious with Jackie Moon and the Flint Tropics. Woody Harrelson's in that movie. Funniest things is he's trying to raise money for the team. He wrestles a bear at halftime, and then he also offers a prize if somebody can hit a shot from, I think, half court. He doesn't have the funds to pay the guy, and the guy winds up hitting a shot. It's hilarious. Um, number, number three for me is Space Jam. The old one. Uh, it's got a good soundtrack. Uh, you, you gotta love Mike in the Tune Squad against the Monstars. The Monstars would eventually become the <laughs> Miami Heat. Um, <laughs> my my number two. I I'm not sure if you are. You got this in your top five, but I always like blue chips with uh, Shaq, uh, Anthony, Hardaway, Nick Nolte, uh, Bobby Hurley's in that movie. Calvert Cheney's in that movie. Bob Knight's in that movie. Basically, talks about how you know. They find ways to give money, give houses, and give tractors <laughs> to players to get them to come play for their schools. And it's it's a it's a really it's a really good movie. I like that one. And number one for me is He Got Game. Jesus Shuttlesworth, Shuzzles, Jesus Ray Allen poses as a you know a big time high school phenom in the game of basketball, and just all the pressure he faces about you know trying to get into college uh, bribes women and just the, the struggle it's loosely based on, I think Stefan, no Kevin Garnett. I think it's loosely based on Kevin Garnett or Stephon Marby's life, but uh, very, very good. Very All great good choices. Movie. Those are my five. I wasn't
0: expecting to forget Paris. So that one definitely threw me for a loop. Uh, number five, I have blue <laughs> chips. Actually, it's a very good movie. Granted, Shaq is yeah. a terrible actor. Penny Hardaway is a terrible actor. Nick Nolte played the scummy coach very well. And it really, like, they were doing those seedy underbelly movies in the 1990s. It was, you remember the program? They're very similar in that regard. Yeah. And I thought it was very appropriate, and it really told the story well. Uh, number four, I have Space Jam. Space Jam. I mean, it's iconic. You know, I mean, Bill Murray, Wayne Knight, I mean, Newman. Freaking Newman is in the, in the goddamn movie.
1: Newman was in a lot of things that people don't realize. He, he was in was. Jurassic Park. Yeah, He's was Nedry, Nedry,
0: man. Exactly. And, you know, it could have been worse in terms of Michael Jordan's performance, but he did, a, he did a good job, definitely. Number three, I have Hoosiers. I mean, it's it's Hoosiers. It's Hoosiers, oh, you know? forgot about that one. It's definitely one yeah, of those. That, that's true. It's an iconic movie. Gene Hackman's the man, and Jimmy Chitwood, and, you know, it's just really <laughs> – it expl- it kind of explains what the hell's going on in Indiana and why Indiana has such you know basketball fever. Number two, this was a tough one. I love he got game as well. Spike Lee did a fantastic job. And then Ray Allen did a good job, you because know, I because I'm sure Ray Allen he did. You know, remembered what it was like to be recruited, you know, because he that. was a yeah. he was a player of note. He was yeah. a significant He was a significant talent. So God knows how many women got thrown at him for him to go to UConn. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, it it wasn't just Jill Kelly and it wasn't just uh, Chasing Lane. But, you know, um, Denzel Washington did a great job in that movie, too. So a very well done movie, very well written and very accurate and true form. And number one, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I like White Men Can't Jump. Like that movie was fucking hilarious. Oh, I forgot hilarious. about that movie. Yeah, Woody, Woody Harrelson. Wesley Snipes, Rosie yeah. Perez. Rosie yes. Rosie Perez. It goes to show you it's not so much organized basketball, but the hustle of street ball. Like, that is great, and it's yeah. real. And Woody, real. And Woody Harrelson real. and Wesley Snipes played off each other so well. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, where the hell have you been? Go see that movie.
1: Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.